Hello, my friends. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is lesson number two in the subject of the call of God. And yesterday uh, we talked about, the, you know, gave you a little bit of a background why God calls men and women to serve him. So uh, we talked about, uh, we finished uh, by talking about the sacrifices we have to make uh, that, you know, that they're great sacrifices, but they're also there are also great rewards in serving God. Now, now I'm going to talk about the different ways God calls people. You know, God calls different people in different ways. It's not that everybody has the same experience, but everybody has a different way, uh, a different way God calls them. So now uh, we are going to start with the Old Testament. And the first person we're going to look at is Abraham, how God called Abraham. Now, from Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 3, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, bless thee and make thy name great, and thou, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them. Uh, that bless thee and curse him that cursed thee and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him and Abraham was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abraham took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran and they went about to go to the land of Canaan, and unto the land of Canaan they came. Okay, now, uh, this is how God called Abraham. As I said, everybody is called in a different way. Uh, so Abraham actually um, lived in a place very far away from Canaan. Canaan is like modern-day Israel. Uh, it's like the West Bank of the River Jordan. Today it's called the land of Canaan. Uh, I'm sorry, it's called the West Bank, but that was, you know, um, uh, the West Bank of the River Jordan and that in biblical times was known as the land of Canaan. So uh, this is interesting because Abraham lived in modern day Iraq. Iraq is uh, hundreds of miles away from there. Hundred, and in those days when, uh, you know, people's idea of the earth was different than today because in those days the known world was much smaller and in in the area where Abraham lived people didn't know of America they didn't know of Europe they didn't know of Southeast Asia so you can say their world was much smaller so when God called him out of Haran where he was to go to Canaan that was like going all the way to the other side of the world that was a long long journey so uh, so what happened is that and God said to Abraham, no, I'm sorry, I just thought of one thing I said wrong. People didn't know, uh, you know, about certain areas like a lot of Africa was not known at that time. Uh, nobody knew anything uh, other than the northernmost part uh, uh, of the African continent. And uh, I don't know if they knew anything of Europe. You know, I mean, the world was very small. Anyway, I just wanted to correct myself. So God said to Abraham, he says, Abraham, uh, leave your family and your father's house 
to a land that I will show you. So I'm taking you to another land. So you say goodbye to your family, leave your family. And you know, Abraham left and he never came back to his homeland again. He left and he never came back to his father's country again. He never came back to the land where he grew up, where he spent his boyhood and where he was born, where he grew up, where he played as a child, where he lived his adult years. I mean, he never went back there again. He obeyed uh, because God called him. He said, leave this place and go to this land that I'm going to show you. And then God says, once you get there, I'm going to make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. So God said, I have, I've got big plans for you. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a blessing. So I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. So my purpose with your life is to bless you, to bless others. And I will bless them that bless you. I will give you friends and those who bless you will be blessed. And those who will stand against you, they'll be cursed. And but here's the thing. And he gave him an inkling what was to come. Because you see, through the seed of, seed of Abraham, Jesus Christ, the whole earth should be blessed because the gospel has blessed the whole earth. He says, through you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. What a vision. God says to this man, this unknown fellow living in modern day Iraq. That's where it is. This modern day Iraqi, uh, I mean, this Iraqi fellow. Uh, from uh, modern day Iraq, from that region. I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing. And not only that, but through you, the whole, every family on earth shall be blessed. What a great vision to a guy who came from a little place in the middle of nowhere, an unknown fellow from Iraq. And God, you know, has this huge plan for him and said, I'm going to bless you and through you, uh, many will be blessed. In fact, the whole earth, every family shall be blessed. So Abraham departed. And then it says, and Abraham was 75 years old. Can you imagine? God, you know, some of you are like, uh, you know, I, I, I knew this one guy who, uh, who contacted me. Oh, I want to be an evangelist and I want to preach. I want to do crusades. I said, fine. God, you know, he said, no, I need some advice. I said, well, uh, how old are you? He told me his age. His wife was also young. I said, brother, you know what you need? I said, why don't you go to Bible college? Just, just give a couple of years in Bible college. That It'll be good for you because it'll give you a, 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 like a theological backbone because ultimately further down the road, you know, it's one thing if just God calls you to preach a salvation message, but, but, but further down the road, when you begin to you know, if God blesses your work and you begin to have pastors under you and people, so it's good to have some kind of background so that you can actually teach those people. And, but he said, no, 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 it's burning in my heart. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to waste my time. I've uh, already done that. I said, what have you already done? Well, he has gone to a short one-term discipleship course, you know, one month or a couple of months. I said, brother, listen, you're a young man. you got your whole life ahead of you. And so he didn't want to go. So many people think like that. They think, no, no, I, I got to start. You know, I, listen, you got your whole life ahead of you. It's good for you. If you, especially if you can see that one day you'll be teaching people, you'll be equipping others. So, uh, you know, Paul said to Timothy, Timothy was a young man in Second Timothy 2, 2. He says, the things that I have taught you in the presence of many witnesses, teach them 
to others who can teach others also. So Paul was thinking of the fourth generation. So he's saying to Timothy, his spiritual son, he says, what I have taught you, you in turn teach others who can teach others also. So he's thinking four generations ahead. And if you're going to do that, it's good to have some kind of backbone where you understand, have a good, solid, working knowledge of the Word of God. And so, because only then can you equip people. So, so some people think, oh, I'm 25 years old and uh, I, I don't have much time and Jesus is coming back soon. I go to preach the gospel. No, no. Listen. Abraham was called when he was 75 years of age. Just imagine. He was 75 years of age. I mean, that's, a, that's like, uh, I know in Sweden, for example, they retire at 67, the same in the U.S. You know, when you're, when you're 67, they expect you to retire and, and sit in a rocking chair the rest of your life and do nothing until you die. Abraham was past that. He was 75 years old when God called him. Listen, young man, young woman, you've got your whole life ahead of you. Take the time, whatever it takes to prepare. If you're going to be a man or a woman of God and you are in this thing for the long haul, take the time to study, prepare. A couple of years of Bible college won't take anything from you, but you look back one day and you'll be grateful that you, you did that because it's okay. You can do without it if you're just going to preach salvation messages your whole life. But if you're going to begin to disciple people and you're going to teach them uh, the Bible or biblical truths later on down the road, it's good that you have that background. Uh, I've been to Bible college and I have no regrets that I did. So anyway, so, but my point is this, that God called Abraham when he was 75 years of age. That means there's no age limit to, uh, you know, God calling Smith Wigglesworth, you know, uh, man, powerful man of God, raised people from the dead. I mean, he had powerful miracles. He was 48 when God called him. He was a plumber. He was a successful plumber when God called him at the age of 48. Now, Abraham was 75 years of age. So this 75 year old man, and he says that he, he left his homeland and to this land God had called him to in obedience. He didn't say, I'm too old or, you know, call someone younger, but he left. And then it says his wife went with him and his brother's son, Lot. So evidently, Abraham had, had a nephew called Lot and Lot was attached to his uncle. He loved his uncle. So Lot also went with him. So it was Abraham and it was Sarah, his wife and his nephew, Lot, and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls they had got in Haran. So that means his whole entourage of servants and the people who served them. So everything that they had gathered, their possessions and their servants. So it wasn't just Abraham and Sarah, but Abraham, Sarah, Lot, and I don't know how many servants they had. There could have been a dozen of them. Uh, and so they all went with Abraham and they went to the land of Canaan. Uh, and that's where they came. So that's how God called Abraham. Okay. Now, the second person we're going to study is the prophet Isaiah. Okay, Isaiah 6, 1 to 8. And I want you to notice the diversity. These are different kinds of people and, and they're different ways God calls them. The prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 6, 1 to 8. In the year King Uzziah died, 
I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. Twain means two. That each, uh, the seraphim ha uh, had six wings. With two they covered their faces, two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it on my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips and thine iniquities taken away and thy sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Lord, here, am, uh, here I am, send me. Now, uh, Isaiah lived in the days of King Uzziah. And King Uzziah was one of the more godly kings of Israel. You know, uh, uh, the kings of Israel, some were very good and some were very bad and some were so-so. But uh, uh, King Uzziah was one of the better kings. He was a good king. And, uh, and when he died, when he died, um, Isaiah had a vision. He saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And then he saw the Lord on his throne. Then uh, above and above the, the throne, he saw the seraphims. Okay, these are like uh, angelic creatures. And they all cried to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of the glory, uh, of his glory. So Isaiah saw the Lord, and he saw the glory of the Lord. And he saw... Uh, you know, and, and, and these seraphim were crying out, Holy, holy is the Lord, and the earth is full of his glory. And as the, as the angels cried out, so what happens? The, the doorposts shook, and the house was filled with smoke. And then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone because, undone because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So as soon as uh, he, uh, Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord and the glory of God filled the place like smoke. Uh, some places in the Bible it says it's like mist, but that's, that's academic. But the whole thing is that the glory of the Lord filled the house and he saw the presence of the Lord and he heard the angels, the seraphim crying, holy, holy, holy. And what happened, he suddenly became of his own uncleanness. You know, when you stand before the Lord, no matter how good you feel, but when you stand before the Lord and you see the holiness of the Lord, you suddenly, those little things that you didn't even think were wrong, they stand out as, as how filthy they really are. Uh, uh, um, 
you know, it happened to me about, uh, oh my goodness, I'm talking about 21, 22 years ago. I was in Burma and um, I had a, such an encounter with the Lord. I, I was in the presence of God and, and, you know, I thought I was doing okay in the ministry and God was blessing me. We had miracles and we had good crusades. Everything was great and people thought I had a great ministry. I was kind of riding the wave, doing well. But when I saw the presence of the Lord, suddenly... All these things came up and I suddenly began to realize uh, because I saw myself in a way I had never seen before and I began to see where I had failed God and how far I had fallen and the first thing that uh, that I realized is that I had departed from my first love. I was so caught up in ministry that I had actually departed from my first love. Ministry became more important than Jesus and the results and the figures and the miracles, even the miracles, even the manifestations of God's power in the meetings became more important than Jesus himself. And that's when I remember I cried, uh, laying on the floor, weeping, realizing that I was backslidden. And I, I thought, I remember saying to the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm undone. Lord, if you, if you, and I remember saying this, I said, Lord, if you choose to discard me and reject me, uh, you would be fully justified. I have no defense. But I said, but Lord, how much, oh, how you love me that in spite of my backslidden state, that you would even bother to come and speak to me. That's exactly how I felt. So I felt like Isaiah felt because here he sees the Lord and then he sees the glory of the Lord. And then he, he, and he immediately became unaware of his own uncleanness. You see, when you are in the presence of God, you became you become aware of your uncleanness and that smugness and that self-righteousness and that feeling that I'm successful and I'm good and I'm big and I've got this ministry, big ministry, all that is gone. You become aware of your uncleanness. And so he said, woe is me for I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips. He says, Lord, I, I, have unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips and I am just like the people in the world I live in because they have unclean lips and because they have unclean lips I am just like them I'm no different from them my lips are also unclean and now I have seen the king and I have seen the Lord of hosts. He says, the moment he acknowledged his uncleanness, he says, one of the seraphims took a live coal from the altar. And he said, he came to me and touched my lips. And he said to me, lo, this has touched your lips and your iniquity, your uncleanness is taken away and your sin in spurt. And that is, that I believe is the baptism with fire because when the fire of God touches you, it purges you, it cleanses you. That's why the Bible says, Jesus shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire because the Holy Ghost is the empowerment, but the fire is the cleansing. It's the cleansing that comes with the empowerment. Empowerment and cleansing 
must go hand in hand. So he says, I was cleansed. My lips were cleansed. And then he says, uh, he, he touched that, he took that live coal from the altar and he touched my lips. And he said, your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is purged. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, that's when the Lord said, who shall I send and who will go for us? And then said I, here I am, send me. Once he had been cleansed with fire, that is when he had the boldness to say, Lord, here I am, send me, I'm willing to go. So this was when God called the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah was at a different place than Moses. We don't know his age, but he must have been a young man. But uh, from other indicators in the book of Isaiah, it seems he was young. He was not 75 years old like Moses. He was a younger man, but he was, he was polluted with the sin of the society he lived in. And he was a man of unclean lips. And he needed that baptism with fire in which the fire of God touched his lips and it touched him and cleansed him. Beloved, the tongue has the power of life and death and our tongue, our mouth needs to be cleansed. And that's what God did to him because these lips, why do they need to be purged and to be cleaned? Because these lips are what uh, are used by God to preach the gospel. And those lips that are used by God to preach the gospel should not be used for anything else but the gospel. So may God give us sanctified and separated lips that are sanctified and separated for the Lord's use alone and not for any other kind of nonsense. So it's very important we have lips that are clean and uh, because you can get carried away talking about all kinds of nonsense. But God when he uses a man, he purges our lips from all uncleanness and sin. And he, you know, that's what the baptism of fire is for. It's to purge us. He says, your iniquity is taken away and your sins are purged. Hallelujah. The baptism of fire cleanses and purges us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Anyway, so that was the call of Isaiah. How God called Isaiah. So different from from the way uh, God called, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, God called Abraham. Now, the third person we're going to study about is Joshua. Okay. Joshua was Moses' personal attendant, personal servant. Now, in Joshua verses 1 to 9. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoken to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant. Minister means servant here, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all these people unto the land, which I do give to them, even for the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses, so I shall be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, 
For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their father to give them. Only be thou strong and courageous that you thou may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from the right hand to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the Lord shall not depart of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither do by, be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. So God chose, chose, uh, um, Joshua, who was the servant of Moses, to take the place of Moses. Now, why did God choose Joshua? Weren't there other people? Um, you know, it's uh, because, you see, you, you remember when uh, Moses was busy uh, acting as a magistrate and a judge and Jethro, his father-in-law, he said to Moses, he said, no, Moses, don't, uh, don't uh, do that. But there's uh, uh, these um, 70... Uh, choose 70 men who are full of the Holy Ghost and, uh, you know, and wisdom and just lay hands on them and let them do this. So Moses laid hands on them and, uh, you know, and chose those 70 men. And then they did the job of Moses because the anointing was upon them. And uh, so uh, Moses laid hands on them personally and the anointing was now upon them. Why didn't God choose one of them? Why this young man, Joshua, who was his attendant, who was his servant? And I tell you why. Because if you read Exodus 33:11, you will understand something about Joshua. And this uh, Exodus 33 talks about the tabernacle, which was uh, Moses' meeting place with God. He says, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. So Moses would go into the tabernacle along with Joshua because Joshua followed him everywhere. He was a servant and the Lord would speak unto Moses as a man speaks to his friend face to face. And then when God had spoken to Moses, Moses would get up and leave and go to the people to tell them what God had told him to go and tell them. But Joshua, who was a young man, who he stayed in the tabernacle. He didn't go, he didn't leave the tabernacle. You know why? Because Joshua was a man who loved the presence of God. Joshua was a man who was a servant. He had a servant's heart, but he loved the presence of God. So if, if, if you have a man who has the heart of a servant and, uh, and he loves the presence of God, that is the kind of man that God is going to use. So uh, Mo that's why when Moses died, God chose Joshua. And because Joshua was, had a servant's heart and he loved the presence of God. Praise God. So uh, let, let's stop here and I will continue to talk about uh, Joshua tomorrow. But let us stop here and let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Uh, that uh, for the things we are learning from your word, I ask you to cause us to grow and to increase in wisdom. And Lord, speak to us, cause us to, uh, to be equipped fully to serve you in whatever capacity 
you have caused us uh, you have called us to serve you whether it be uh, as a supportive ministry or in full-time ministry as a five-fold ministry gift we, our main desire father is that you use us that you be glorified in our lives in jesus name praise god amen well i love you guys god bless you and you can write to me send me a personal message or write me a comment whatever it's always good to hear from you god bless you